Welcome back to another episode of The Few Podcast, where today we are going to be unpacking you, the way you think, the way you make decisions, the way you approach life, whether you approach it positively, negatively. We're going to have a look at an entirely new life philosophy. And I'm really very excited by this particular interview. We've got a renowned Harvard medical professor, an absolute gosh, genius when it comes to the way that the mind and body works together. And I just think we're all going to learn an incredible amount in today's podcast. So before I chew up all the time in the intro, let's make him welcome now. Welcome to the Few Podcast. Never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. So you want to become one of the few. You can't skip steps. You have to put one foot in front of the other. Things take time. I have a dream. I have a dream. Hear inspiring stories from the few and learn what it takes to turn your dream into reality. Don't be afraid to dream big. But remember, dreams without goals are just dreams. This is The Few with Boo. Dr. Gary Epler, thank you so much, sir, for joining us on the show today. Hey, Paul, this is fantastic. Can't wait. So tell me a little bit about life philosophy according to Dr. Gary. Sure. It's called the Eplerian life philosophy. It's a, it's a new way of life, really, for optimal health and great high performance, lots of energy, high energy, enjoyment, and a really cool thing, something new, is eliminate stress and eliminates anger. That's a good move. And it all has to do with five brains. And Bo was the one that came up with that description, five brains. And Bo, you had an experience as a pilot in learning to make decisions and something about putting your mind out somewhere else. What, what's that about? Touch body syndrome, where you're out on the wing looking into the cockpit watching yourself fly <laughs> as a third party. And that's it. And that's probably the best instruction you could have, probably saved your life, because you get five brains. And let's talk about that. Yeah. So how does that work? I mean, we all think we've just got one brain. That's what we learn at school. That That's, you know, what we see on the pictures. How do we have five? That's it. And the philosophy is know who you are moment by moment. And the way you know who you are is where you're thinking from. And some new science is really tells us now where we're thinking from. And that's where the five brains came from. It's MRI studies, functional MRI study. And it shows where we're thinking from. And we don't have one brain up there. There's a lot of brains up in the head. And then there's four other brains or places to think from. And let's talk about that head first. The old-fashioned brain in the head. We always thought there was one single brain. That's where all your thinking comes from, your creativity. You're taking a test. Up here, here's the answer. No, it's the opposite. It's absolutely the opposite. The brain has a, a region called the amygdala, and that's called the anger center. Very primitive brain. It's the reptilian brain. We need it to start our life off because it's instinctive. But we don't need it after that. And thinking from that region gives you anger. And that's who you are. So you don't want to think from that anger center. And then there's one right next door called the cingulate. That's also a very ancient, primitive brain that gets you started in life through instinct. You, you cry for something to eat and you cry for a change of diaper. But that's it. You don't need it after that because 
thinking about yourself, thinking about your problems, trying to be somebody else, comparing yourself to everyone else, that's all sort of self-centered thinking from this stress center. It causes stress. And so you, you really need to shut that down. So that's the head. It's amazing. It's the opposite of what we thought. You don't want to think from that head, a brain. Now, it does come in handy for a couple of things. Number one, it'll save your life in a, in a life-threatening situation through instinct. No thinking involved, just instinct. It'll save your life. It's also good for uh, memory, <laughs> short and long-term memory. you got to have that. And the other thing is called the prefrontal lobe, which is human. It's kind of a human thing. Is for social judgment, making the right social judgment, doing the right thing. And uh, that, that is through conditioning, though, from your parents and society. That's not thinking. So there we have the head. Now, let's move to more interesting, better places. Let's start with the heart. 40 million neurons there to keep the heart healthy. That's the function of the heart, is to keep itself healthy. And how does it do that? Bo, you have any idea how the heart keeps itself healthy? Well, my heart isn't that healthy, so I'm actually quite interested to find out how I ended up with atrial fibrillation. <laughs> you got the OAF, but uh, yeah, that can be fixed. And here's how it's going to be fixed. <laughs> here's exactly how it's going to be fixed. The heart function is to keep itself healthy. It's, it'll do anything to keep itself healthy, and of course keeps the body healthy. But the number one thing it does is make decisions. And it can make decisions for you, whether it's a new job, a new relationship, a new house, whatever, huge monster relation uh, decision, just ask. And it'll give you an instant decision, one decision, unilateral decision, whatever is best for your health. The head, oh, all night long. Yes, no, yes, no. You wake up, you have no decision. You can't live life this way. The heart instantly will give you a decision best for your health health. All right. So that's number one thing. That's the one thing it does to keep itself healthy. The second thing are with feelings. And there's some phenomenal feelings. The number one is kindness. And kindness is a feeling from the heart. If you're nice to somebody, say, ah, be nice to somebody today. Well, your parents kind of tell you that. It's kind of conditioning. And you kind of expect a little something back. That's the way nice is, but not kindness. Kindness, you just say the word and it feels like it comes from the heart. It doesn't feel like it comes from up here. And people can feel that without even saying the word. Kindness, that's the thing from the feeling from the heart. And the first thing is being kind to yourself. You've got to be kind to yourself. We beat ourselves up. We screw up. We make awful mistakes. We lose millions of dollars of our investors. We all kinds of things we do. You just have to forgive yourself. And be kind to yourself because that's a feeling from the heart and that's a healthy, healthy response. And of course, being kind to others. Uh, but other feelings, gratitude, just be grateful for what we have at the moment. Whether it's the, we're in the middle of a catastrophe or whether it's the worst situation in our life, you have to be grateful for what you have because we have a lot. You just have to think about it. And, and so a gra a gratitude, grateful. And forgiveness is always good for the heart. It's not for the other person or the other situation. It's for the heart because you forgive that situation. It's better for the heart. And then uh, so we got gratitude, kindness, forgiveness. These are just fantastic feelings from the heart. And they're there. 40 million neurons you have there to help make those decisions that are good for your health and those feelings 
of kindness. So there you are from the heart. Well, I guess that's why they make the emoji and everything to do with love, everything to do with positivity. It's always about a heart. When you're feeling bad, it's a broken heart. It's right in front of us. It stares at us on our, on our smartphones. And it's been there for thousands of years, thousands of years. What's your heart telling you? And Socrates, he says, you're wise from the heart. Wisdom is from the heart. It just goes thousands of years talking about how great the heart is, but nobody ever made the connection <laughs> that it's real. And now that we have the science, the MRI studies, the functional MRI studies say, hey, where are you thinking from? Now it's real. It's, it's been confirmed. And and use it. <laughs> use, use those feelings from the heart. And, and so there you go. From And you can only think from one of those brains at a time. And you cannot be stressed. You cannot think about yourself and your problems being stressed and think from the heart with kindness. You can't do that. You're only one place. So you've got to shut down the, those brain centers, that anger center, stress center. Shut them down. Don't use them. And we'll talk about ways to do that, but, but shut them down because then you can't think from the heart with being kind. And then we've got three others. We got the gut. And there you go, thousands of years, expressions. What's your gut telling you? Come on, we've heard that millions of times. And it's true. It's got a ton of, I don't know how many yet, but it's got lots of neurons there. It's got more neurons there than the spinal cord because of digestion and all these requirements. But it also has lots of them there to use for decisions and to do the right thing. And its emotion is fear. That's what it is. Fear is actually a good emotion. It's, it is risk management. And that fear comes from the gut. You don't feel fear from here, not from the brain. You feel it from the gut. And the reason is, is it's telling you, hey, check out that situation. Maybe you shouldn't do that. You're walking near a cliff or you have a business deal. Yeah, it doesn't sound right because your gut's telling you, no, don't do that. And the other thing about that is nutrition. And that is phenomenal. It knows more about nutrition than anything in the world. And it's because it started out with telling the difference between poisonous water and poisonous food. I mean, that's the way we were started Earth. <laughs> and so there you go. It told us that. You've got to listen. That's the problem. The head's got, got to listen. And nutrition, you get a big plate of fried clams, <laughs> onion rings, French fries, and throw in a dessert with a ice cream sundae, your gut screaming. It's saying, hey, don't, don't do this. It's really, really not the thing to do. But you, you don't hear this up here is pretty powerful. That anger center and that stress center, boy, they are powerful. And it, it'll overrule that any day. But listen, it'll serve you right. It'll tell you the right foods to eat, tell you how much to eat. And it is fantastic. So that's the gut. It's a good place to think from. What are that? We've got our gut. We've got our head. We've got our heart. We're running out of body parts. Okay, Gary. And there you go. The number four is the body itself. And this is fantastic. The body, you think from the body. And here's a situation with that is uh, the muscles and the joints. Just they have those neurons, those thinking neurons. And you use it, just start, number one is, is strength. You have to have strength. You have to have those muscles toned up. You have to forever, for your entire life. And muscle mass, for example, that deteriorates after age 29, just lose a little bit every year. You've got to exercise an hour a day. 
every day, exercise every single day for an hour. You can mix it up. You can do some bike. You can do a run, walk, swimming, anything, uh, sort of aerobic, and then do some weights. Five pounds, 10 pounds. You don't have to do big things, but just do some weights and then yoga stretches. And the best, my wife, she loves these courses. They're phenomenal. They're 45 minutes to go. Yoga, they got hot yoga, they got this yoga, that yoga, and it's not just old fashioned yoga, you got weights and everything else, and you work off a sweat. Good thing about group classes, you can meet people, you know, lifelong uh, friendships, and so exercise one hour every day because that body needs it. And when you exercise, that's all you do. I was working out this morning, these guys had cell phones, they're sitting there with their cell phone working their biceps. Come on, that's, that's nuts. You, you can't leave the cell phone in the locker. You're there to work out. And when you work out the biceps, think, just feel, feel it with your mind when you work the biceps. Each one, just feel, feel that muscle getting stronger and stronger. And then you do the triceps and then you, the quads and everything. And just feel that, feel it. And that's where, the, that's where I'm saying that the body is the brain because it'll get twice as much strength out of that workout uh, thinking about it. That's one place for the body, but the other place is fantastic. And that is professional athletes, athletes in general, the weekend athletes, whatever you want. The marathon, I have a half a marathon coming up in two weeks. And this is where the body is really important. And this is the difference between a quarterback like Tom Brady, who I did absolutely love to watch for the last 10 years in Boston, and a good quarterback. A good quarterback uses the head and uses the head, and whether this is Australian football or American football or baseball, whatever it is, it's the final, it's the Super Bowl, it's the World Series, ninth inning, two outs, you got bases loaded. And you've got to get two strikes, and you've got to get that strike across, whatever. I mean, that's it. If you don't, you lose the game. And and the good pitcher is thinking, oh, geez, you know, they're thinking about that batter. Say, oh, God, this is a World Series. Best batter in all the league. You know, head, 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 all these head thoughts. In no way that pitch is going to be successful. No way. It's going to be bad. You've got to think from the mind. In the mind, and the mind is outside the body. And we'll talk about that, but in the mind, and then let the body just do what it's been doing for thousands and thousands of pitches. And but think from the mind, and you get that sign from the catcher. You don't shake it off. No, that catcher knows that. That catcher knows the pattern, knows the average, knows where that ball's going to go. Everything. He's going to call the right shot. And so just concentrate. Just feel from the mind. Just feel from the mind. Do not. Think. <laughs> this is this is the whole key about, about the body. You can think from the body and let it, and it's fantastic. And even to take it a little bit farther, you have a quarterback, Tom Brady. He gets back there, throws that pass. He's using the mind. Absolutely not a thought from this. He's using the mind. He actually can see, visualize, feel where all those players are going to be. So he throws the ball. He knows where that player on the other team is going to be when that ball gets there because he's using the mind as energy. I mean, it's not like seeing a video or a TV, but he knows because energy, there's energy out there. And he throws the pass to the right person, never gets an interception, but you got somebody that's just 
been just a regular quarterback thinking from the head, oh, they're figuring angles, you know, physics. Well, let's see if I throw it at this time, this time, you don't get there. Uh-uh, because that doesn't consider all the other players, and it gets intercepted after intercepted after intercepted. Got to use the mind. Got to use the mind, not the head. All right? That's the body. Now, the last one, and we're all finished. This is the mind. And it is phenomenal. And it's been since our time on Earth, and that human beings have been given the gift or the opportunity to use the mind. No other species can use the mind. The mind is not the brain. And in literature and in talk and in look at a scientific paper today, there's interchangeable. The mind, the brain, the mind. I heard a, a phenomenal session about the mind-body connection, but it wasn't the mind they were talking about. It was the head. I mean, it's phenomenal. If you put the head in there, head-body connection, there's phenomenal ones, but it's not the mind. And so first thing you've got to know, the mind is not the brain. And, and that's my book. My book, your, your mind is not your brain. That's it. They're separate. Now, what is the mind? It's outside the body. It's the universe outside the body. It has every bit of information, knowledge, events that have ever happened, that are happening right now, and will ever happen in the future. It's all there. Quantum physics will give you the answer, but that's a different topic. But it's all there. All that information is there. You have to connect. Now, you cannot connect in your normal day-to-day brainwave state because it's outside the body, right? It makes sense. It's, we use this brainwave state to do what we need to do day-to-day. Slow them down. Slow brainwaves down. Slow them way down. <laughs> and our normal brainwaves are 14 cycles per second. That's where we are right now. It's what we navigate life with. Slow them down to 10 cycles per second. Those are called alpha brain waves. Even deeper, theta, that's down to seven cycles per second. Now, this is when you're asleep. I mean, you're sound asleep at seven cycles a second. Sound asleep. Fourteen, at, at ten cycles, you're in dream sleep. You know, the eyes are flipping back and forth. That, that's ten, but you're asleep. You have to do this when you're awake, and that's meditation. And the thing about meditation is you need to learn. There's so many ways to do it. There's the old traditional sit quietly or quietly and repeat certain words. I did it by, uh, I was on a, a treadmill or a, yeah, treadmill training for something. And I just looked at that blank screen and you just count down 25, 24, 26. And, and you just, oh boy, you are, you're an alpha. And so you need to learn how to do that so that you can access it instantly, like right now. But that happens a lot in running, doesn't it? Yeah, those are endorphins. <laughs> endorphins, oh, they click you right into alpha. I mean, it's the best. <laughs> and another trick while I'm thinking about it, because I did it this morning, it's called the cold plunge. Have you ever heard of that yeah. one, Bo? Yep. You guys. It doesn't get cold enough in Miami, though, I've got to say. So, <laughs> Hi, it's Boo here. If you're enjoying these episodes of The Few please show your support by leaving a review. It costs you nothing, and the more reviews we have, the better guests we can reach out and bring onto the show to help you close the gap between what you want and where you are today even faster and help you on your journey to become one of the few too. You guys can do it. I can't quite do the cold plunge yet. My son, he did decathlons, and he sat in that ice. Oh, uh, but, man, the guys out at work out, too. But it, it's fantastic. All you need to do, the way I do it, 
is you, when you take your shower after working out, you know, you take the warm shower, you do your hair, whatever you do, turn that dial, turn it all the way down, all the way, just before it turns off. It'll take your breath away. And it's so, I mean, it is right on top of your head, down your spine, if you can do it. 10 seconds. If you can do 10 seconds. And you, number one, you're going, whoa, it'll take your breath away. But you're going to be in a different state of mind. <laughs> and it's fantastic. But those, that's alpha. All those things are alpha. And when you get into alpha, then you can get into the mind. And, and the mind, there's two parts to the mind. First is a function. And that is creativity. And creativity means coming up with better ways of doing things, with solving little problems and just day-to-day -day things. But And it also is for innovation. Innovation is where new products, new ways of helping people, new ways of saving people's lives and new companies and new products. That's innovation. And, boy, you got to start up. I mean, come on, that all came from the mind. None of that came from here. Not one single thing. This philosophy that I've developed, all the applications, none of those came from the head. They're all from the mind. You, you write a book. That's not from the head. It's all from the mind. You, you can almost feel it. You talk to authors and see, yeah, I just kind of write in a way. It just comes, you know. <laughs> Literally, they say, kind of look up. It just comes there. And write in a project. It's all from the mind. It's fantastic. So that's what its function is, is for creativity and innovation. The feelings from the mind, they're unbelievable. And meditation, well, again, you realize these feelings through meditation, but they're really good feelings. They're healthy feelings. And you get bad day, you're down in the dumps, whatever happens, you can use them to really get you back. <laughs> because the first one is a sense of calmness. And this is not just calm, like we can sit here calm, because now you're an alpha, and your muscles are calm, joints are calm, and then the cells are calm, the molecules are calm, the nucleus, the DNA. But like this right now, you know, but so calm, you can't feel it in this state, but you get an alpha, and it feels great. And the second thing is this, constant, this feeling of being accepted, just feeling accepted, no judgment. Nobody's going to criticize you. You can just just be yourself. Get in this alpha and you just feel that. And that's a great feeling to feel. Hey, nobody's going to yell at me today or say whatever it is. Uh, just total acceptance. Because, uh, again, we're, we're in the universe now. We're outside the body. And the third thing is joy. And this is not just joy of feeling enjoyment. It's way beyond that. It's bliss. It's just beyond it. We don't even have the words for that yet. And so this, these are the feelings in the mind. And those feelings um, actually are, if you've read about near-death experiences, you've seen on television or heard about these things, the body looking down and all of that, all of that's the mind. It's the mind. And doctors of neuro, actually, it's a neurosurgeon, wrote a book about his experience with near death. He was out cold and literally died from an infection in his head. And he had these experiences, this joy and, and all of this. So that's the mind. It's fantastic. So there you go, five brains. There's a lot going on with those five brains there, Gary. You know, one of the challenges is how the world keeps throwing things at you and then where we go 
to receive it. And I think, as you said, it's that primal centers of the head that most of that gets received without without thinking about it, right? Is that your experience? Why it's it's just normally when it comes to things that we're not expecting, when it comes to change, when it comes to events of the day, we just automatically take it into the wrong brain? Exactly. That's exactly what we, it's a habit. It's been a habit uh, since childhood. And why it starts, I, I don't have an answer for that. During infancy, you have to have this brain. I mean, it, it, it's instinct. It, it, it keeps you alive. At age five, throw in the temper tantrum to get a toy. That, 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 that behavior's, no, that's, that's, that's not adult behavior. But in some people, it becomes a habit because you get the toy, right? You get the toy. So, oh, hey, this works. And so they go through adulthood saying, you know, they want something and they, they'll abuse people, they'll lie, they'll manipulate people, and they get what they want. Well, this becomes abnormal. This is the uh, narcissistic, the toxic narcissistic. Fortunately, that's, that's rare. Problem is, those people can be very powerful. And so it's a habit. It's a habit. And with those people, it's a real habit in the, from the addiction center. That's the third center in the brain I didn't tell you about, the anger center, the stress center. And there's an called the addiction center. It's the pleasure center. And the thing with that center is dopamine. It's a chemical. And it's pleasure. Oh, hot fudge Sunday, sugar, alcohol, drugs, all of these things. And uh, the purpose of this center is for reproduction of the human species. And boy, it works for that. But it doesn't, it's not needed for all these other things. And the people that have this kind of behavior of manipulating and of really being mean to other people to get what they want, they get a little pleasure out of that. Four seconds, four seconds of pleasure. And so they say, oh, this is good, you know, this is addicting. Let's <laughs> have it for me. And they go through their whole life that way. But they, if they, you could just, and they're not, they're not about to change, <laughs> that's for sure. But if they just realized giving from the heart is a lifetime, feels good a lifetime. It feels good for a lifetime. Chemical pleasure, four seconds. A hot fudge Sunday, maybe 20 seconds. The first sip of a beer or wine, that's it. That's the only pleasure from all of those, from this chemical chemical addiction center. You don't want to trigger that. You just don't want to. So those are the, the centers in, in this human behavior. And you talk about we're just bombarded with things like this. And right now, there's so much anger in the world. And, and this is not human behavior. It is not human behavior. It's thinking from this reptilian brain, the primitive brain. And can you imagine? A society, the world, that has none of that. that it shut down the reptilian brain thinking from there. It'll do, still do its job with instinct, but shuts down thinking from the, from the anger center and the stress center. You imagine we have a new civilization. It's a human civilization right now. <laughs> what if we're living in a reptilian civilization? It's crazy, but it, it is. How do you do that, though? How do you stop? We've been thinking about ourselves our whole life. Are you telling me I'm going to have to stop that? I get angry and things. Are you telling me I have to stop getting mad? Yes, yeah, exactly. And here's how you do it. Let's take anger. You stop the triggers of anger. That's all you have to do. You don't want to trigger that center. You don't want to activate it. If it's not activated, you're not going to be angry. Stop the triggers. 
For example, this computer, you get mad at your computer. Well, I, I do. Try not to, but I do. It stops, it crashes in the middle of a podcast. Well, that's a trigger. And you don't need to get mad at the computer. That's just ridiculous. I mean, come on, think about it. And so stop it. Stop that triggers. And the best thing to do is stop, not only stop the trigger, but associate it with a positive thing. Yeah, like the computer, oh, it crashed. Uh, and then think from somewhere else. Think about uh, fixing the problem because that'll put you in the mind. Think about giving something to, to someone, getting a cup of coffee for someone or listening to some music or talking to somebody, a friend, and some positive action. And it's what this is, is old-fashioned Pavlovian conditioning. You have an event, you get the anger, you identify the trigger, do you associate that with something positive, and 21 days, it'll be gone. That's how you do it with anger. And stress is the same thing. If you're stressed, that means you're thinking about yourself. Stop it. Whatever that is, you're mad at somebody or you're thinking about your problems, just stop it. Stop it. Think from the heart. Kindness. That always works. Uh, but anything to stop activating those two centers or, or stop triggering those centers, that's it. You got zero. Zero stress and zero anger. It, it's the most fantastic thing in, in your life. It's fantastic. Was there a point in your life, Dr. Gary, because obviously you had a very successful practice. You'd successfully started a few businesses in the medical space. What happened? When did all this sort of start to connect for you in terms of this Eplerian life philosophy? Was it always there or came out of the blue? Or Yeah, here's the story with that. It definitely wasn't for me. It wasn't there. There are three reasons why people, I call this your true self. This is all it is. You be your true self moment by moment. It's four or 5,000 years ago and granted, no place. And there's three reasons why people don't know who they are. One is that they don't know how. We can fix that. That's easy. The second one is they don't want to. Those are those people I told you about, these toxic narcissists. We're not going to deal with that group. And the third are just people that don't really know that that's who they, that they need to be, I guess. And that was me. And then there's people that, are, that that thing shuts off. And that's, this is one of my questions is why at age three, four, five, why don't we just naturally stop thinking from there? Makes sense. We don't need it. And I, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> but, but there are people that are born that way. They they, they had the infancy. They need that. And they go along three, four, five years old. It just kind of quiets down. And they don't use that part of the brain anymore. And they go through life that way. They're fantastic people. It's very rare. And so for me, during childhood, I think I was. I was being my true self. I didn't know it because people would question my actions because they were mine. And I had to defend myself. Well, now I wouldn't defend myself at all. I would just absolutely love my, my actions. They were not bad. They were just different. And then the teenage years, oh, geez, I had to be like my, you know, my classmates. Well, that's not me. And then college and, and then and your, your first job, you got to be what the boss is telling you or else you get fired. That's not you. Particularly in medicine, right? Like in medicine, there's a very, everyone needs to be the same type of person, right? And then I got to be chief of medicine at a hospital here in Boston. 
that's a dream come true. I mean, that's the most amazing thing. And, oh, and a Harvard professor. And that was just the greatest thing in my entire life. And my friend, Bob, says, hey, you got to get out of there. What? What are you talking about? It's holding you back. And he recognized something I certainly did not. I mean, this was just phenomenal. And as what I was doing, I was being my job title. I wasn't being me. I was being my job title. I'm chief of medicine. So I'd go out and social, I gathered to the chief of medicine. <laughs> and it's the office at work, oh, I'm chief of medicine. You write it down, chief of medicine. It's nonsense. There's nothing to do with that. That wasn't me. And so, fortunately, the hospital threw me out. Ah, we don't need you anymore, emerging or something. That's the best thing that ever happened, because there I was. I had to face, well, I got two choices, either be myself or get another title or another job. And I chose to be myself, and it's the best thing I ever did. And, uh, and it's the best. It's freedom. It's just you know, no complaints, no criticism, no judgment. No worry, zero worry. You're yourself. There's nothing to worry and guilt and zero. I mean, all these and jealousy and resentment, all these things, these personal kind of internal thoughts, gone. Every one of them. And the freedom is fantastic. And yeah, you get to fail. You fail over and over and over. Rejections over and over. That's the consequences. Oh, that's what it was. That third group of people. That was me, was you want to be your true self, your authentic self, but you don't want to take the consequences. You're afraid, fear. You don't want to be your true self because, oh, I'm going to fail. Oh, I'm going to get rejected. Uh, People are going to maybe even ridicule you because of your ideas that are coming along. And people don't make criticism. You're going to get criticism left and right 24 hours a day. People don't want to face that. But the ironic thing, the paradox, you get that anyhow. Yeah. Right? That's right. So (laughs) be yourself because it's easy to take. If you're yourself, somebody criticizes you, it's going to happen in the next hour, I'm sure. (laughs) You just, it just goes right on through. I mean, it's just empty words. And the, the thing with anger right now, this whole world is just so angry, angry. And the reason is because they're taking all these things personal. Somebody will say something to them, oh, like, take it out personal. No, 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 it's just empty words. You're fine. The other person's the one that's got the problem. And the anger is if somebody takes something from you, take your pleasure, you're nice and relaxed, and somebody yells at you. And take your, your, your values, uh, media. God, they take your values in five minutes. And, and the social media, media, you just get screamed at all day long. You're in the wrong group. You're the wrong person. You're this now. <laughs> you just, it's no, they're just empty words. <laughs> not you. <laughs> if you don't believe all those words, nothing happens. Yeah. If you believe, if you believe, oh, you're a horrible person because blah, 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 blah. If you believe that, oh, that's a problem. That's a giant, giant problem. That's stress and worse. And so there you go. Uh, It's amazing. It's an incredible insight. We're getting towards the end of the podcast. And I guess the question that I always ask of people is everything you know now and everything about your life philosophy, what would you have done back 
with the version of yourself just as you were starting college? Is there one thing you would have told yourself to accelerate your journey or live a life that was more true to yourself? Absolutely not a thing. I have zero regrets. Everything I did wouldn't change one single thing. And that's part of my philosophy. It's part of this philosophy of you have no regrets if you're yourself. You make mistakes, you fail, you you might even hurt somebody accidentally. You don't want to, but you just you have to accept that. And all the bad times, oh, gee, there's been some really, really tough times. You just get through those and you make mistakes and oh, I made a mistake and, you know, let's move on. <laughs> it has to do with being engaged in life every moment, just engaged in life and no cell phones and none of this stuff. Just be engaged in life and enjoy every bit of it and a happiness level and being content. You have to have a high level. It has to be eight to ten and a happiness level of three or four. Well, that's, that's just no way to go through life. Even a happiness level of six is just not enough. And happiness is really being content with what you have. You might be out of money. You might be out of a job. You might just, the bills are coming in. You might lose your house, might lose your car. It can certainly happen. <laughs> but somehow you just, you'd be grateful for what you have. And, and you find some positive people. And relationships are really important. You need two or three close relationships. And they're built they're built from the heart. They're not from head. They're not, they're not head relationships. They're from the heart. Those will last forever. And so it's all about just thinking from the heart, thinking from the mind. That's amazing. Such sage advice. And Dr. Epler, you work with individuals. You have keynotes, books, programs, different length programs for people to help live their best lives. What's the best way for Somebody that's listened to this podcast, they can feel that they can feel that jam. Don't know what to do about it. How can they find you? Well, it's uh, EplerHealth.com. The, that's everything is there. EplerHealth.com. Fantastic. And send me an email. I'm always answering emails. I'm answering questions all the time. So send me an email. That's phenomenal. Thanks for being so generous and generous with your time today. The show notes below. Uh, you'll see Dr. Epler's links, uh, information, how to get hold of his book, his uh, podcasts. There is so much incredible information there. And uh, yeah, look, I mean, once we start to conceptualize life through those five brains and start to create the space to allow us to use our mind rather than our brains, I think based on what's going on in the world right now, it's going to be a much happier place and we can keep those narcissists at bay. Dr. Epler. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It was just a wonderful, wonderful share of all your great knowledge. Thank you. Yay, Paul. Wonderful talking with you. Well, that wraps another episode of The Few. And I'd like to thank our partners, without whom this episode wouldn't be possible. Firstly, Ode Management, an organization that brings world-class speakers into your event or organization to make a profound impact on your people to deliver the results that you want. And Afterburner. Real Life Fighter Pilots, a team of men and women who for the past 25 years have helped organizations surpass their expectations, learning the tips and tricks fighter pilots use to win 98% of the time. If you enjoyed the show, please show your support by subscribing to the podcast, The Few with Boo, or our YouTube channel. It's been an absolute pleasure sharing the stories of these remarkable people with you. I hope that helps you keep the dream alive, but more importantly, equips you with a few ideas of how to turn those dreams into reality to help you become one of the few too.